morning, long run. It is great to be with you wherever you are at, whether you are driving or at home or some other place. It is good to be with you and to open up God's Word. Today, as we are not gathering once again, we are going to delay going through the book of James, and we are going to continue in the book of Psalms. And so if you are able, I would ask that you would open up to the book of Psalms and go to Psalm 84 with me. And this morning, we are in Psalm 84, discovering our heavenly home. And today, I'm going to read for you Psalm 84, and then I'm going to pray, and then we will get into the text. Psalm 84 begins this, and this is the word of our Lord. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Yahweh of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of Yahweh. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Yahweh of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways designed. As they go through the valley of the crop, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers its pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Yahweh, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For Yahweh, God, is a sun and shield. Yahweh bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Yahweh of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word. And I ask that you would enlighten our hearts, you would incline our minds to understand. Would you help me to speak truly and to speak accurately and succinctly to your word, to present your word, not with lofty words or speech, but with truth and love. God, we love and we praise you. In Christ's name, amen. Elvis Presley once chimed a common phrase, home is where the heart is. Home is where the heart is. And while that phrase in many ways is cliche to our day as it's perpetuated and thrown around often, it is very true. And it's very much like what the psalmist is getting at. For most of us, we have places that we delight in, places that we love, places that we're affectionate for. Maybe for some of us, it is Louisville, Kentucky. It's a place we've been raised. It's a place where our home is. It's a place where our friends are, where we know the best restaurants are at, and on and on. For some of us, it might be a vacation spot, where we go to relax, or we've had good times with family, on and on. For some of us, it might even be here in this congregation. Your relatives, for many of you I know, are here. For some of you, it's your friends. For some of you, you have lots of history that has gone here. And because you have great affection, you have great delight, you have great joy for these places, this is where your home is for many of you. But what about truly as a Christian? As a Christian, where is our home? Is it also where our heart is? Well, I believe what the psalmist is saying this morning is true, and I believe what the psalmist is saying that, yes, where your desires are, where your want to is, where your highest inclination is, that is where your home is. 
And the question we must ask as Christians, where is our home? Where is it that we long to be? Where is that we desire to go? Is it somewhere in this world? Or is it in heaven, which is our true home? And what the psalmist is going to lay before us here in Psalm 84, is he's going to lay before us three tests. Three tests to see where your heart is. And he's going to ask you, where is it that you desire to go? Where is it that you want to be the most? He's going to lay three tests to find out where that place is. To find out truly where is our home and where we desire to go. First, he begins with talking about a house, a structure, a building, a place that you desire to go. Listen to what he says here in Psalm 84. The first test is right here. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Yahweh of hosts. My soul longs, yes, thanks for the courts of Yahweh. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. And so the psalmist begins as a traditional Israelite would by thinking of the pillars, by thinking of the sculptures, by thinking of the structures that are part of God's house, the walls, the engraving, the engravings within them, all the things that would be in the house of the Lord, the altars, the priests, everything in there. He begins by thinking of them. And he says, how lovely are they? How lovely is your dwelling place? What the psalmist does is he begins to set his affection on the dwelling place of the Lord because it's where the Lord dwells. And he goes on to say, my soul longs, yes, faints. And imagine that. He's longing. He's continually thinking about it. So much to the, so, so much to the point that he's fainting to go to the courts of the Lord. Why? Because it's where the living God is. And that will come key later on, but it's where the living God is. And so he desires this court. He desires to experience these structures. He desires to experience this home for him. I remember when I was a young boy and I was aspiring to be a basketball player, like most young children do, aspire to play sports or aspire to be good at. I would go to Bradley University, Bradley Braves, summer basketball camps. And the summer basketball camps were awesome. They were a week long where you got to go and play basketball with college basketball players and they coached you and trained you up and you got to play basketball day, hang out with your friends, eat lots of pizza and all other sorts of junk food, stay up late with your friends in the college dorms because we got to stay overnight and sleep over there. It was awesome. It was kind of a childhood dream. It was great and it was wonderful. But I remember, and my parents would remember this too, as I was telling this is, there was a few nights where I would be in the dorm room, and you guys know a college dorm room. It's usually just brick walls, very plain. You guys know a college bed. It's a not very firm mattress or thick mattress or comfy mattress, and it's usually just one pillow and a blanket with it. And I was in those rooms, and I began to feel uncomfortable, and I began to become restless. And began to think, this is not my home, this is not my bed, this is not where I want to sleep, this is not where my toys are, this is not where my clothes are, this is where my TV is, this is where my desk is, this is where nothing is. It's not where I desire to be. And so because of that, I remember going to the director of the camp late at night, it was probably midnight or past midnight, and saying, I'm sick. And of course I wasn't sick, I was pretending to be sick, because I would do every once in a while as a kid. Sorry, mom and dad. But I said, I'm sick, I need to go home. I want to be back in my bed. I'm sick. And I would even make up this whole lie essentially about being sick and then go home and they would call my parents and they would come get me. And I would get to go back in the comfort of my bed where my books were in my room, where my toys were in my room, where my clothes were, where 
my shelves were. Everything for my home was. And the same desire that I had in that moment is also the same desire that the psalmist has right here as he looks at the structures because he knows it's comforting to him. And listen how comforting these things are. And listen to how comforting. And you can imagine how comforting it would be for me as to go home to be my bed and I've rested great that night. But listen to how comforting this place is for the psalmist. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, for she may lay her young at your altars, O Yahweh of hosts, my King and my God. And so he starts off not even with people. He starts off with animals, things that aren't created in God's image, things that aren't as great of value to God as human beings are, because animals are not as great of value um, as human beings are. But he says, even these things, even birds are comforted in your house. How much more so would we be comforted in this house, this place of great structures, this place of wonderful courts, a dwelling place of the Lord? And he goes on to say, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. And what the psalmist points to right here is that he would rather go and be around the structures, around the buildings, around everything of the Lord than be at home or wherever he is now. And brothers and sisters, the question comes to us not so much if we would rather go to the temple, go back to go to big walls and engravings on the walls, but rather the question is, do we want to go to the structures of the heavenly places? Do we want to go to where our heavenly Father dwells, where the saints dwell? Is it that we want to go to heaven, or would we rather be here on earth? That's our first text. And Paul answers this question for the Christians and how we should think about it. In an interesting way, when he's talking about his missionary experiences of sharing the gospel, but then also what it would be like for him to die. So if you know this text, it's a very famous text, Philippians 1, 21 through 24. And what he does essentially is he contemplates this question of, how do I know that I value the house of the Lord? How do I know that I value his place? Verse 21 begins, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So there's the contrast right here. If I live in this earth, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to make much of Him. I'm going to spread the gospel. However, though, if I die, if my body ceases to live, it's good. Here's why it's good. He's going to tell us and he's going to extrapolate these points from 22 to 23. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose? I cannot tell. Why cannot he tell? Even though it's going to be fruitful, even it's going to be good to live in in the living, living in the flesh because he's going to be able to minister to others. 23. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ. For that is far better. Why did I want to leave Bradley basketball camp when I was a little kid? It's because it's way better for me to go home to be in the safety and structures of my home. And what Paul knows right here is it would be much better to go to be at home with the Lord. And he concludes this in verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. So why does he stay? It's for the betterment of his brothers and sisters, but he knows, he has this value, he has this heart that says, I want to go and be at home with the Lord. Brothers and sisters, the first test is, do we want to go and be in another home, our heavenly home with our heavenly Father, where his structures are built up, where his houses, where his dwelling places, where his courts are, and on and on, where even the birds find shelter? Do we want that? Or do we want rather to be in this house? Do we want to be in this world? Which one do we want? 
Not that it is necessary for us to go and be there, but which one do we want? The second test we have is, do you take your home with you? So the first thing is, do you value to be in the house? Do you value to be in God's house? This next one is, do you take really the house with you? Do you take the home with you? And listen to hear what he begins to start talking about. He says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, and whose heart are the highways to Zion. So what he's talking about right here is he's talking about the people who aren't necessarily in the house of the Lord at the time. They're not physically there. But rather, their strength is always in the house of the Lord. So even when they're departed, even when they're not in Jerusalem, even when they're not in Israel, their hearts are still connected to the Lord. Their strength is in the Lord, brothers and sisters. That's hopefully what we should be. And listen to what it says. And those hearts are the highways to Zion. It doesn't say they're on the highways to Zion to get to Zion, but rather it's saying their hearts are always connected to Zion. Their hearts are always going to Jerusalem, to the temple, to the dwelling place of God. They are always fixed on it. They take it with them. And how much so do they do this? Verse 6, as they go through the valley of the cop, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. Now, I did a little bit of research on this, but not a ton of research on the valley of the cop. But what most commentators and translators think the Valley of Baca is referring to is the Valley of Despair. It's the dark place. It's the deep place. It's the evil place. It's a hard place for us to be. And what does it say about these people who have highways that go to the house of the Lord, that are filled with strength from strength? They fill it with what? Place of springs. Early rain also covers its pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God and Zion. And so, brothers and sisters, do we take the presence of God with us? Do we take, like what the psalmist is talking about right here, the temple of the Lord with us through the valley of despair, through the difficult times, through the tough times? Do we walk in faithfulness through these times? And do we walk with Him everywhere we go? I think about my mom. My mom is a educational consultants, which means she is a teacher of teachers. So she's like a super Brother Robert. Where I'm just a teacher, she's a teacher of Brother Robert. And my mom is phenomenal. I mean, she gets to travel all over the United States. In some ways, she's you know, traveled all over the world, going to South America, going to the Virgin Islands, and probably lots of other places that I don't even know about. But my mom is really highly regarded in what she does, and she does a really good job now, whenever I get to meet someone my mom has worked with or someone that uh, my mom has taught in the past, they usually know who I am. They usually come up to me and say, oh, you're Robert. You're, you're Pam Rose's son. And your brother's Jack. And your dad's John. And, and, and your family, and we know about your aunts and uncles. Man, we've heard so much about you. And after I talk to these people... I get this feeling that they just really know me really well whenever my mom has taught them and spent time with them. Why is it that they know me? Why is it that they have so many stories about me? They can even tell me stories about me. Sometimes I feel uncomfortable because of How did my mom tell you about that? Or why did she tell you about that? But they know these things. Why is it? Because obviously my mom talks about me. My mom tells about her family. And why is it? It's because her home is where her family is. And that's so true with mom. Her home is where my dad is. Her home is where my brother is, where I am. Her home is not so much in the physical place, but her home is with her family. 
And so what does she do? She does like what the psalmist does right here. Is she takes it with her through her work. And she tells people about her home. She tells people about her family. About where her heart is. Brothers and sisters, do we do the same with our home? Do we do the same with the things that we value and things that we love? Do we do the same things with the imperishable, the ultimate values of Christ Jesus? Do we go out and proclaim those things like the psalmist does right here, who even in the valley of despair goes and proclaims God and fills it with a pool of waters? Do we water this earth with the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Because God has given us a wonderful message in the form of Jesus Christ, who has come and lived in our place and died in atoning death for our sins and then been raised from the dead so that he might ascend to the Heavenly Father so that whoever would believe in him might experience eternal life. Those are the waters that will fill this world with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Brothers and sisters, do we go out and do we take the Lord's house with us? Do we take an eternal home with us? My mom takes her home with my brothers, my brothers and my father with her. Do we do the same? Do we go out and take those with other people? Because that shows where our heart is. If we don't ever actually talk about the eternal things, we don't actually talk about our eternal home, is it truly our home? The next test for us is, do we value or do we value the homemaker? Or do we value the homekeeper? The one who is Lord of the house. The one who is king of his kingdom. Because what we've seen right now is we've just seen how we should, one, value the house. We value the structures. We value those things in it. And two, what we've seen is we've seen how we should value also the things of the house even when we're not there. Is that we should have these things stored up in our heart and we should take it with us. But what's going to be most important, I think, what comes here in verses 8 through 12, is do we value the one whose house it actually is? Listen to verse 8 and what it says. O Yahweh God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. And so he starts right there by focusing on the Lord. He starts right there by not looking so much more of the house around him. He's not thinking about the structures. He's not thinking about the walls. He's not thinking about the temple. He's not thinking about um, the dwelling place. He's not thinking about the Ark of the Covenant that's inside the Holy of the Holy. He's not thinking about those things. Rather, what he points himself to is Yahweh, God of hosts. The God of armies, he says, we're looking to you. And he says, behold, our shield. And that's a covenant name of God. When God appeared before Abraham in Genesis 15, God comes to him and he says, Abraham, I am your shield. And then he makes a covenant promise with him. And so what he's reflecting upon right now is God's covenant grace. God's goodness to him. He says, God, it is you who I'm going to look to now. And what does that change about him? Listen to what it does in verse 10. It says, for a day in your courts. So he starts focusing back on the temple. But he doesn't focus just on what's in the temple. He focuses back on God. For today in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. So hear what he's saying right here. Is I would rather be a doorkeeper. Someone who opens and closes the doors for other people to come in and out of the temple. I would rather be a servant in the house of the Lord. I would rather be cleaning toilets in the house of my Lord 
than getting to come in and worship in the Lord than being someone who has a kingdom built around being the emperor of a city. Someone who is the man of the town, the governor, someone who everyone focuses on, someone who gets praise. He says, I would rather just be here and be the lowest of all in your city and in your town than be the greatest in all the world. I could have all the kingdoms of all the earth and I could be the king of all those kingdoms, he says, but I would rather be the lowest of all servants in your city. That's amazing. Because what it tells us is that he doesn't treasure the wealth and the riches of the kingdom, but it tells us he treasures the wealth and riches of the king. He treasures him more than anything else. A good test to us can come in the form of this analogy. Imagine that you are sent up to heaven, whether you pass away or new heavens, new earth comes down, whatever it is, but you go into heaven, and you get to go into heaven, you have your room there, you have these city that's awesome. You have the sun. Actually, you don't. Well, yeah, you have the sun that never stops shining, we'll say. And we'll say that you have the city that's paved with streets of gold, and you have all your brothers and sisters in Christ up there, your friends and your families. You have all the riches, and you have no death, no sickness, no hurt, no pain, anything else in all the world. It's perfect. It's wonderful. But, say, God is not there. Yahweh is not there. Would you still want? Would you still want to be there? Everything else is there. Everything else and all that you can imagine is there, but God is not there. You still want. Or, let's say you're sent to a desert, full of sand, no water, no people around, no treasures, no wealth, no riches, nothing of pleasure on this earth that you can experience. Just sand, hot being sun coming over you, beating you down day by day. And the Lord is there. Which one do you want most of all? By the answer you give, it will tell you where your heart is. And it will tell you if you would rather want riches that the king gives, or you would rather want the king of all riches. And brothers and sisters, I plead with you that we would want the king rather than his kingdom. For it is always going to be better than anything that this world could offer. Verse 11. For Yahweh God is a sun and shield. Yahweh bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Yahweh hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And what the psalmist ends with right here is the focus on the king. He focuses on Yahweh hosts. He's not concerned about the temple anymore. He's not concerned about taking the Lord with him. He's concerned about one thing, and that is knowing God. Long run, we could be concerned about so many things in this time. We could be concerned about so many things in this church. But the main thing, and if we ever lose sight of this, we lose sight of it all, is that we need to be concerned about knowing God, loving Him, and dwelling with Him. So do you know the homemaker, the homeowner, the homekeeper, the housekeeper? Do you know Him, and do you want Him more than anything else? Think back to that time when I was at Bradley basketball game. And I was upset and tireless through the night. So I went to the manager or the person who was running the camp. And I went to him and I faked sick so that I'd be able to go home and go in my bed, be in my house, in my room, 
with all those things. But even when I think back to that, I don't think that's what I wanted most of all. And I don't think on this earth, with all the treasures you could experience on this earth, that's what you want most of all. What I wanted most of all is to be with my family. I wanted to be with my mom, to be with my dad, to be with my brother, because that's where home is. And brothers and sisters, our home is with our Heavenly Father. And that is what we all want. And that is what we truly want. Isn't it? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you do not just give us a temple, you don't just give us a kingdom, you don't just give us riches, but you give us yourself. Might you help us to love you more than anything else in all this earth? That we would desire the king, not the kingdom. For we love and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.